Well, it is really good to be back. <laughs> Whenever you're gone, even if it's for a little while, um, you miss the place where you normally attend. Um, you try not to take it for granted, but it's just a part of life that when you're familiar with something and you constantly go there and you're familiar with all the people and the places and you often sit in the same place that it becomes um, custom and you, you often take that for granted. But when you're gone, when you're away, oh, how precious it is to you when you come back to um, rejoice in what God has given you. So I want to say, first of all, that I missed each and every one of you, that I love each and every one of you here, and that I'm so thankful for each and every person that is at this church and that attends here. You are special. You are a special group of people. And as we were able to travel over again to Africa and we were able to go around to the different churches, it made me so thankful for this church that we have here, this, this body of believers It is a special place. It is a special group of people. And God is using you in a special way to be a blessing to each other and to be a blessing to people all around the world. And there's not many that can say that. And so I am so thankful for this church, and it is good to be back. I I really just want to spend this morning on some reflections that the Lord has taught me on this most recent trip to Africa. And I want to give you some encouragements from the things that I think God has shown me once again. And I just want to speak from my heart this morning. And I believe that these are things that, first of all, are important for me. And things that God is once again teaching me and showing me. And it's very important for me to apply these things in my own life. And I want to encourage you also to apply these things in your life. Um, so I have, I have a few things that I want to share with you this morning. My heart is full and I have many things that I'd like to say. But I don't want to take a lot of time... Uh, more time than is necessary um, to, to do this. But first of all, I just want to thank the church for sending us to Africa. It's, it's important. The work is important. And we know that it says in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it says, how can we hear the Word of God unless somebody preaches it? And how can somebody preach it unless they be sent? And so, um, God has sent you faithful men here. We try to preach the word. We try to share with you what we study and what God reveals to us. And that's so important that we labor and are faithful here. But it's also important that we not only do that, but that also the church sends out messengers, sends out ministers to share the gospel with other people. And so... I am thankful that this church is an evangelistic church, that you believe in what the 
Scripture says that we ought to take the gospel to every creature. We ought to preach the gospel to every creature. That we ought to go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach them the truth about Jesus Christ. And so I want to thank the church for doing this, for being faithful to do this for many years and to be a part of it, to be a servant, to be a representative of this church. Uh, I want to thank you for the financial support that it takes to be able to do this. It is no small thing to be able to financially support uh, a trip like this. It is very expensive, and it took that sacrifice from all of you who gave in order for this to be done, in order for the gospel to be, to be preached, for us to minister and do good unto the saints there in Africa. It took you being faithful to give of your finances, and I thank you for that. And the people of Africa, thank you. They, if they were here this morning, they would, they would all send their hearty thanks for sending us uh, to them, that we may encourage them, that we may be encouraged by them, that we may be able to give to them. And I look forward to giving you the report to show you, to show you their thankfulness so that you can see it with your own eyes. But I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 1 when Paul was in prison and he wrote to the church in Philippi. What he said there is what's on my heart and what was on my heart when I was gone. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. I am thankful for a church that supports those brothers and sisters that are in foreign lands and that you have a fellowship with them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They may be thousands of miles away, but you have a fellowship with them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are united together with them in the hope of the gospel. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. Brothers and sisters, you are all partakers of the work that God is doing in Africa. You are partakers with them in the grace of God in your financial support, in your spiritual support, in your prayers. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all discernment. This is my prayer for this church. As you continue to give, as you continue to support as you continue to share and have fellowship in the gospel with our brothers and sisters across the world, that you would grow in your love for one another here in this church, that we would grow in our love for one another, and that our love for Jesus Christ would grow, and that that love would spill over to our brothers and sisters in Africa, in India, in the Philippines, in Russia, in Nicaragua, all over the world that we may grow in our knowledge, in our discernment, 
and that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. And so that's how I feel about this church. My heart is filled with joy for you. I I am thankful for the fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm also thankful for this church having two elders. It is a blessing. Hardly any of the churches in Africa have more than one elder. And it is a very special blessing for us to be able to have two elders here in this church. And that as one is sent and, and, and goes and ministers in a foreign land, that the other one stays and is faithful to continue to be faithful to preach the word, to minister to the saints, to feed the, the, the flock. And it is a great encouragement to me, and it frees me up that when I'm there, that I know that Pastor Brady was here, that he was faithful, that he was watching over the flock, as he always is. And it is such an encouragement to the work to have that. And so I just want this church to remember how blessed that you are that God has given us two elders in this church who are trying to work together to serve not only the people here, but serve the people in Africa. This is not something that can be done alone. And then I also want to say how thankful I am for my wife, Laura. And it is such a blessing from the Lord to have a faithful wife and mother that when you're gone for two weeks, she's able to take care of everything at the house. She's able to handle all the problems. She has to sacrifice so much for me to be gone. And that is no small sacrifice. And so I'm thankful for the faithful wife that I have, faithful mother that, I, that, that is there for my children. And she is a partner in this ministry. And I'm so grateful for you, Laura. And I want to tell the church how thankful I am for her. So those are just a couple of things that I wanted to say right off the bat that I'm thankful for. And now I just want to share with you a few things from my heart that I think the Lord has shown me on this most recent trip as I meditated upon these things on the way back home and as I've been thinking about them this week. There are many things that I feel like that the Lord has shown me and I I want them to be an encouragement to you and for us together. And first of all, number one, and I've already made mention of this, but I want to expand on a little bit. Number one, be thankful for a strong, supportive, loving, and local church to be a part of. As we traveled around and we went to each one of the churches there in Kenya and Malawi, and we traveled to a different church each day, we were covering a lot of ground, we were traveling a lot. One thing I was reminded in each church was there were some that were stronger than others, there were some that had grown more than others, there were, there were some that were weaker than others, but we need to be in prayer for them that God would help them to grow in unity and in their ability to, to be stronger in doctrine and in practice and 
to be stronger in the way that they support the ministry and support one another and that their, that their love for one another would grow. And one thing that I was reminded of in each place that I went to as I just worshiped with them and, and enjoyed the time with them was that it wasn't the same as here. It wasn't the same as, as Fellowship Church. And you need to be thankful that God has blessed you to be a part of a strong local church that has, a, that has by God's grace, a, a, a ministry that is dedicated to the preaching of the Word, the explanation of the Word, the, the expositing of the Word, and the application of the Word. Not all our churches have that over there, and they need to grow in that. But I am thankful to be a part of a church that is strong in the Word, that is strong in the ministry of the Word, and that is supportive of one another, that's loving toward one another, and that is a light uh, in the community. And the church that I oftentimes think of in the New Testament that is like this, and that I'm encouraged and, and want to be encouraged by, and I believe that we, we are a great example of here, is the church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul would write to them and say, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. This is something I tried to encourage several of the churches with out there as I talked to, spoke to them about what a local church should look like, what a ch- local church should be, what is a strong, supportive and loving local church. And it's these three attributes that we see that are very important. First of all, that you have a work of faith. So it's important that you not only believe the truth, not only understand the doctrines of the Bible, and that you study them and know them, but he calls it here a work of faith. So what you believe determines what you do and how you live. And I'm thankful for a church that not only believes the truth, but practices the truth. That labors, that works out of what they believe. He called it a work of faith. And then the second thing he said was a labor of love. A church that not only believes in the Word of God and applies it, the Word of God, into their own life, but a place that, that works, that toils. The word labor means to to struggle. We struggle together in love, to love one another, to overlook one another's faults, to bear one another's burdens, to take care of one another, to be concerned with one another's needs, to be praying for one another. This is what it means to have a labor of love. It means that you care for the person sitting next to you just as much as you care for yourself that you care for everyone in the church as much as you care for your own family, and that you toil and that you work for them, showing them your love. And then the third thing he said was they had a patience of hope. A patience of hope. A hope that endures. You have a hope here that goes beyond just this life. That goes beyond just the here and now. And because you have this hope, of eternal life, you have hope in heaven, 
it determines how you live here and now in this time. It's a patience of hope. It's an enduring in hope. And this hope is a confident expectation in the Lord's return. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that believes that, that teaches that. But that endures through hard times, trials and sufferings because of that hope. One of the wonderful testimonies about the church in Thessalonica is that they were being persecuted. They were being persecuted by the unbelieving Jews. They were being persecuted by unbelieving Gentiles. They were being persecuted by their own countrymen. But yet Paul says that because of this hope that they have and this belief in, and this love that they had, they were enduring. They were persevering in the faith through these trials. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that is enduring, that is persevering, that has this patience of hope in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are many other things that he goes on to say about them, talking about how the gospel came, not with just words, but in power and in much assurance, and that they became examples of believers to their community and how that they started to have an impact on those around them. He says that, from, For from you the word of the Lord has sounded for, forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we need not say anything. A church that is a New Testament church is one who has a work of faith, a labor of love, and a patience of hope and that loves the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then has such a great love for this gospel that they send forth this gospel out. And it is a witness and a testimony to all those around them. So I want to encourage you to be thankful, to be a part of a strong, supportive, loving, and local church. Second thing... I was reminded once again that doctrine is important. Doctrine is important. What we believe is very important. And Brady talked a lot about this when he was in 1st and 2nd Timothy, how that one of the major themes in those epistles is doctrine and what? Godliness. And it's what we believe and it's understanding the truth that sets us free. And so when he would write to them in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, As I urged you, verse 3, when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. You see, our theme for this, the trip this year was those things that are most surely believed among us. And we were preaching the articles of faith. The articles of faith that we believe and that we have covenanted together to believe as a church. And we, we were able to see how that the churches there need this so much because there's so much false doctrine there, there's so much false teaching there, and they're not grounded and they're not settled. They're easily moved. And so the, the teaching of doctrine, the, the, the teaching of God's Word, the explanation of it, the understanding of it, 
and the importance of, of doctrine in the local church is it's important for stability. For stability, for long-term growth. And so be thankful to be part of a church that is strong in doctrine, that is strong in the truth, that believes in the truth, that understands the truth. And may we be encouraged to grow in our understanding of doctrine so that it may help us to live more godly lives. He says, Teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly affection, which is in faith. We want what we teach and understand to influence how we live. We want it to help grow our godly affection, our affection for God and our affection for one another. Now the purpose of the commandment is love. The purpose of knowing about God, the purpose of understanding about what He has done for us is love. It's so that your love for God may grow. Your love for one another may grow. Love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. So I want you to be encouraged. And I want you to understand the importance. Why do Brady and I labor to teach and preach the Word of God? Why do, why, why do we try to be faithful in exposition? It's because we realize that it's very important for you to know the Word of God and that it leads to a life of godliness and that your faith grows and that your love for God grows. Thirdly, when you think that your life is hard, remember that many others have a much harder life than you. I'm reminded of this each time that I go, that it's hard to imagine how hard others' life is outside of America. But especially when you get to the remote parts of the, of the country of Africa and you see that they have no job, they have no vehicle, the home that they have, it has no running water, it has no electricity, they have no comfortable, comfortable beds to sleep in. And because there's such a shortage in the jobs, oftentimes they don't have even enough money to buy themselves food for a day. And so you see children who are malnourished, you see adults who are malnourished, you see people who have gone days without eating, you see people who have no clean water. They have to drink dirty water, which is full of disease. And so they're constantly sick. They're constantly battling diseases. So you come back here and you see how blessed that we are. How that we have clean water. How that we all have vehicles to drive around in. How that our roads are all in good condition, how that it doesn't take long to get to where we want to get to, how that there's structure and organization. And it makes you appreciate. It makes you thankful for what you have here and you take it for granted 
You take all the blessings that God has blessed you with for granted. And sometimes when your life gets hard for you, you think, my life is so hard and, and I wish that it was easier. I wish I had more money or, or I wish I had a better job or I, I wish this or that. You need to remember that even though your life might seem hard compared to how, others, how, other, others, how bad others have it, your life is not that hard. And that's important for us to remember. Because first of all, we need to be grateful and thankful of where God has blessed us to live. How He has provided for, for us and all the conveniences that we have. And we don't need to take them for granted, but we need to use them for good. We need to enjoy them. We need not, need not to abuse them. I want to encourage you with this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Starting in verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You do have trials and temptations in your life. You do have struggles. You are persecuted. You, you do have pressures in your life. But remember that you have something greater inside of you. God has given you a treasure inside of you. Remember that. Rejoice in that. Look beyond the struggle. Look beyond the, the, the pain. And remember, always caring about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Remember, brothers and sisters, that those of you who are in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are a witness and that you are a testimony to those around you. And the way that you handle pressures, the way that you handle stress, the way that you handle the things that you consider to be hard in your life, you are always carrying about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what you want others to see. And just remember that when you think that you have it hard, others have it much harder than you. Be thankful to God for the help that He's blessed you with. Be thankful for the finances He's blessed you with. Thank you for all the material blessings that He's given you. And use them. Use them for His glory and for His honor. And this goes into my next point. Number four, realize how blessed you are physically, spiritually, and financially. Sometimes this is hard for us to understand. This is hard for us to realize unless we go over to another country and we see how poor that they are, how sick 
that they are. How many of them do not have a Bible. They do not have access to the Word of God. And so they aren't as spiritually nourished. They aren't as spiritually strong. And we have access. We have unlimited access to the Word of God. We have tools that we can use to help us grow in our understanding of the Word of God. We can listen to the Word of God. We can read it. We can hear it preached. So we are blessed spiritually and then physically. We have to battle sickness. Yes, just like they do. But their sickness is constant because of the dirty water, because of the unclean food that they're having to eat. They are constantly getting sick and having to battle sickness and, and, and battle disease of body. And then they're so poor, many of them don't have even a job to be able to provide for their family. And so they have to spend each day just looking for a way to feed their families. That should wake you up and help you to realize how blessed that you are. That you always have food on the table. That you always have clothes on your back. That many of us are blessed with a job that provides everything that we need and more that we're able to give to help others. We need to realize how blessed that we are physically, spiritually, and financially. Ephesians chapter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. It's important for us first to remember how blessed that we are to be in Christ. That He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That He has chosen us. That He has redeemed us. That He has adopted us into His family. That we have forgiveness of sins. That we have this unity, this union with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that, that out of that flows this blessing all these blessings of life. And then He has gone far and above that for you and for me that He has blessed us to, be, to live in a place with clean water, to live in a place where our food can be clean, to live in a place where we can uh, be nourished and that we can grow up strong. Don't take that for granted. Young ones, do not take for granted the food that you have, the water that you have, the places that you have to live, the school that you get to go to, the training that you get, all the things that you have been blessed with in your life that you get to enjoy. There are young children who have none of those things. And we need to remember that, how blessed that we are. And we need to thank God every day for them. And we need to use those things in our life to glorify Him and to help others. Fifthly, Slow down and learn to be patient. This is probably one of the hardest things when you go overseas, when you're from America, is you've got to learn to slow down and you've got to learn to wait because everything takes longer. There's going to be problems. Things aren't going to run smooth. And it takes a little while to get used to that, but it's, it's really an encouraging thing when you're over there for a little while and you, and you learn 
Lord, teach me to be patient. Teach me to wait. Teach me to trust in you and that you're in control and that you have a design and purpose for this. We are so busy here. Life is so fast-paced here that oftentimes we don't stop and we don't slow down and we don't think about the importance of waiting and being patient and listening to God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We need to grow in our ability to be patient. We are so impatient here. We want things quickly and we, we get accustomed to things being, being done quickly. But we, you need to understand that that's not the case in most parts of the world. They have to wait for everything. They don't know where they're going to get their next meal. They don't know if they get sick, if they're going to make it. They don't have access to medicine like you do. Imagine being sick and and not having medicine to be able to take for that sickness that relieves your pain or that helps you to be able to get over it. But that you just have to wait and hope that you overcome the sickness. And it could be days, it could be weeks, it could be months. Imagine getting a tumor and having no access to medicine to be able to take care of that tumor. So the tumor just grows and grows and grows, and eventually it will take your life. We saw a woman who was part, who was part of the congregation who had a tumor on her neck that was over the size of a baseball. And she was just as happy as could be. She was just rejoicing, singing, dancing, and you wouldn't know that she was dealing with that by the look on her face and by the way that she worshipped the Lord. Because she was being still and knowing that God was in control. God had allowed this to happen. She lived in a place that she wasn't able to get treatment for it or afford surgery. But she was still worshiping and praising God. That can mean something for you and I. That when we get in a hurry, when we think that things aren't happening quick enough, when someone pulls out in front of us and we get upset for them for doing that or when we're in the line at the drive-thru and it feels like they're taking forever, be still. Be still. Thank God for the conveniences that you have, that you're about to be fed. Thank God for the access to these things and ask Him to teach you patience. I need to grow in patience. In my work, work that I do, oftentimes I get impatient when people don't respond quick enough. When I'm wanting to get something done and completed, I need to grow in that. I need to grow in that patience. I need to be more patient with my children. I need you to be more patient with me. We need to grow in our patience. Slow down and learn to be patient. Number six, and I think this is a big one, learn to be content with the blessings of God. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul says in verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, 
both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is one thing that I'm always reminded when I go over there. The people are poor. The people are hungry. The people have it hard. But they are content. They are full of joy in the Lord. They walk to church hungry. They walk to church sick. They walk to church in the heat without air condition, without light, without power. They have no running water. But they are content with the blessings of God, that He has blessed them with life, that He has blessed them with the ability to know Him, to be loved by Him, to be a part of His family, to be a part of the church. And so, even though they have very little in this world's good, yet they are content. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't want more. It doesn't mean that they're not striving to, to try to, to have more food on the table and they would love to have access to medicine. They would love to have access to clean water. It's not that they don't have the desire for those things, but they are content with, it, with the, what they have. And we, as Americans, struggle with this, struggle to learn contentment, to be thankful for what God has given us to enjoy what God has given us and to use what God has given us for our own benefit but for the benefit of others. To not be so self-consumed, to not be so materialistic that we always, always say that we have to have more and more and more and never content. I pray that God will teach me once again to be content with His blessings in my life. And that if He takes away, that I'll say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If He takes away things from us, it's because we don't need it. God provides everything that we need. And we're not to be consumed with the things of the world. We're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world, but we're to love God. And we can make an idol out of the things of this world. And that's what I want you to encourage. I want to encourage you with, encourage myself with, don't make an idol out of the blessings of God. God is to be the one that we worship. God is to be the one that we adore. God is to be the one that we are seeking first and His kingdom first. Learn to be content with the things that God has blessed you with and help Him to ask you to learn contentment. Number seven, serving others is more important than serving yourself. We've looked at this before in the Gospel of Mark, and as we've been looking at the life of Christ, this is what we see in the life of Christ. If you want to be more like Jesus, this is how to, this is how to do it. Serve others. And consider serving others more important than serving yourself. He said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came, and He came as a servant. He humbled Himself 
and took upon himself the form of a servant. He served his family. He served his community. He served the disciples. He he served the poor. He served the sick. He served the lame. He served the outcast and those that were despised and rejected of the world. And I want this to be more and more the case in my life. That I would serve myself, my own desires, my own wants, less. And that I would serve others more. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of work to be done. Not only in our own church, and our own communities, but in Africa. There is so much work that needs to be done. And what it's going to take is it's going to take you and me serving them. Serving them with our money. Serving them with our prayers. Serving them with our encouragement, our support. And this is something that all of us can grow in. Serving others is more important than serving yourself. And then the last thing. Sacrifice more so that you can give more. When you go over there and you see how little that they have, but you see the joy that they have even with the little that they have, the desire that that swells up in my heart is, I want to do with less. I want to sacrifice what I can sacrifice so that I may simply just give to those who don't have that would bring them even more joy in their life. And I think this is the heart of Christ. Not only see, he was a servant, but he was one who sacrificed himself over and over and over again. And he stands daily at the right hand of God as an intercessor for you and for me. He is sacrificing himself right now on your behalf, and daily on your behalf. As you reach out to Him in prayer, He's there listening. And He's meeting your needs, and He's, and he's blessing you with everything that you need because He's sacrificing Himself. He sacrificed Himself on the cross of Calvary to pay your sin debt so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be accepted into His family. This is the heart of Christ. It is sacrificing Himself and giving Himself to us so that we'll be satisfied in Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8-9 through 9 says, I speak not by commandment. I shouldn't have to command you to give. I shouldn't have to beg you to give. You should desire and want to give. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the grace of Jesus Christ? That though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor. That you through His poverty might become rich. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was rich. 
He had all the riches. He dwelt in the light that no man can approach unto. He had always been in perfect communion, perfect harmony. Had everything that he ever needed. He was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. He sacrificed himself for you. You know why we ought to love the poor? We, you know why we ought to help the poor? Because Jesus was poor. Jesus was one of them. He was poor. And He became poor for you. So that you through His poverty might become rich. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And so even though He was rich and He sacrificed that to become poor... Yet, because of that, now someone else has great riches. And that's the idea behind our sacrifice is that, yes, we are giving something up, but the return, the return of what's given up is much greater than what's given up. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Do you realize what Jesus Christ did for you. Do you realize what He did in becoming human flesh? To condescending of men of low estate, to taking upon our form. Do you realize what He did? Do you realize what He went through in doing that? Do you realize the sacrifice that He made for you to live the way that He lived and then to die the death that he died. He became poor for you and for me. Not so that we could live a life of ease. Not so that we could live a life of luxury. Not so that we could have health, wealth, and prosperity. He sacrificed this for us so that we may be like him, so that we may be content with the blessings that he has given us, but that we may sacrifice our lives so that we may glorify Him, so that we may do good unto others, so we may to distribute to those that are in need, to the poor, to the afflicted. And so there is much work that needs to be done. And we, there is much work that has been done. And look forward to giving you a report so that you may see it with your own eyes. The work that has been done and the joy that it's bringing... And um, God has been using you and will continue to use you. But I want to encourage you, as I'm encouraging myself, can we give more? Can we do more? Yes. Yes, we can. And I believe the more that we ask, God, help me to be able to sacrifice more that I can give more. I think the more that we ask that, the more He will give. The more that we... He will give. We can't outgive God. He owns everything. And He's able to bless you, no matter whether it's just with a little or with a lot. God will use that to be a blessing to others. So, these are some of the things 
that God has reminded me and has taught me once again. And I pray that they can be an encouragement to you as God uses you in this church and as God uses you to be a blessing to others, to our brothers and sisters in Africa. May you have this great zeal that David had. He was a man after God's own heart and he had a great zeal and a great love for God first, for his kingdom second. He had a great desire to want to build a house for the Lord. But God said, you won't build it. It will be your son because of the blood that you have shed. Well, David didn't let that stop him. He said, if I can't build a house for the Lord, if it won't be me, he said, I'll do everything that I can. I'll pour everything in that I can. I'll give every, every ounce that I have of time, of effort, of energy and of my resources, of my money, I will pour it all into the building of this temple. And David did that. You can read it in First Chronicles 29. He's of how much that he gave. And all of this was motivated, all of this was motivated because of his zeal for the glory of God and who God is. And so he says in his prayer in First Chronicles 29, 11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty for all that is in heaven and all that is in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So may that be our motivation, the way that we live our lives, the way that we're faithful in this church, and the way that we continue to support his people all over the world. May it be because of who he is, and we want to glorify him, is my prayer. Thank you.